Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Power 5 football has been played. The Miami Hurricanes beat UAB. New offense. It actually looked a lot like the Auburn offense when it's working, which is what it's supposed to look like because Rhett Lashley played quarterback in high school for Gus Malzahn and worked for him for a long time. That's exactly what Miami was supposed to look like. If you thought they were going to throw it 50 times a game and chuck it all around the yard because Rhett Lashley worked at SMU last year, no, no, this is what it's going to look like if it's working. You're going to see them running the ball with Cameron Harris, setting up throws to Brevin Jordan, and Derek King doing things on the ground and passing, they hope, efficiently. Uh, But good first win of the season for Manny Diaz and company. And with that, I bring on the guy who's going to be with us all season, every Friday, I'm going to make him stay up late and watch Thursday Night Football, whether he likes it or not, the Athletics National Recruiting Reporter, Ari Wasserman. Ari, what's up? Man, I love staying up late watching football, so it's not you don't have to twist my arm for that one. It's good to be here. Oh, this, is, this has been an interesting night. I did, now, that game was not the greatest viewing experience. It was sloppy at times. Uh, if Miami gets blocked the way that UAB blocked them at, at certain points. Like, if they're playing Clemson, Travis Etienne's going to go for 200 against them if, if, they, if they play, yeah, like yeah. they play tonight. But I think that they've got something to work with and, and something to build on, and the offense looked like it was supposed to look. Yeah, I, I thought that, uh, you know, at the beginning of the game, like you said, it was kind of sloppy, but the fact that they rushed for 345 yards and have uh, a backfield – um, that's as deep as it is, kind of gives you some hope in the ACC. And, you know, I, I tweeted this in the middle of the game, but it was kind of cool to actually see like a freshman like Jalen Knighton get in there because he was a top target for some, you know, pretty big pro- programs last year. And the fact that he, he chose Miami, stayed in Florida, and then got in and rushed uh, nine times for 59 yards, you know, I kind of like to see the names from recruiting pop a little bit early did, on. Did you see so. the bounce by Don Chaney on one of his early carries? That was pretty oh, yeah, nice yeah. Speaking of true yeah. freshmen. Yeah, if you get 17 carries for more than 100 yards, uh, and both of them were averaging over uh, almost six and a half yards a carry as true freshmen, and you know, again, I understand that you know this is what's supposed to happen in terms of the athleticism on Miami's uh, side in terms of their advantage. But you know, to to get you know, I think Harris is a really nice running back, and to have the, that depth there is really exciting. And then, of course, with King, uh, he had a few pretty. Uh, jaw-dropping runs I think one in the third quarter that was pretty exciting the one that he evaded a few guys and made that spin move in the pocket and then ran for 30 yards I thought was a pretty awesome play and it kind of this was the first college football game for me where it felt like all right here we go and I don't know if that's how it was for you but like it's like I felt like I was watching college football and I got that feeling back and I think it's the it's the brand thing it's the power five thing it's a stadiums we're used to seeing thing I mean a week ago I was at the rock in Hattiesburg which is not a place that I would normally cover a game but I was there because it was the first FBS on FBS game of the season and this one was the U I mean this is a name brand school from a power five league playing football in 2020. And I realize those who listen every episode are probably tired of me saying this, but there were there was a time six weeks ago, two months ago, I, I wasn't sure this was going to happen. And two weeks ago for me. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's interesting because it, I think the night at all, the night the Big Ten and the Pac-12 postponed. So they postponed that afternoon. And remember that night, you had the ACC come out in the afternoon pretty quickly and say, still going to try to play. The SEC didn't really say anything because the SEC was always going to wait longer. And then you were looking at the Big 12. And it was like, if the Big 12 holds, they're going to play. So that's actually when the Big 12 held that night was when I thought, okay, this is going to happen. Which is weird because that's when most of us probably thought, there's no way. And I will say, when I woke up the morning of August 11th, I thought there's no way that there's going to be college football this season. And then when I went to bed the night of August 11th, I thought, you know what? This this could happen. And it ha- it's happening. So pow- yeah. Power 5 team has played a football game. The world didn't end. <laughs> I think we needed to see a Power 5 team, and we did. And it felt good. It felt odd. I uh, To me, I always felt, and anybody who's 
probably listen to this podcast or the Ohio State one with Bill Landis is annoyed by how much I say this, but I thought everybody was going to play or nobody was going to play. And like, I'm still kind of trying to adjust to the idea that only some people are playing. And I know there's been some groundswell in the big, big 10 and hopes that they could potentially figure out a way to play games in October. I don't know how realistic that is, but you know, I, I think that it's kind of an exciting time to see if college football can actually get this right. And, you know, watching teams play and making it almost feel like a normal Miami game. And I think the the biggest factor too, Andy, is that in the games that I have watched for college, the viewing experience on TV doesn't seem that off despite the fact that things are so different. Yeah, and now this is where we make our Miami joke contractually <laughs> obligated Miami crowd joke. Like when I when I saw the blimp shot at the beginning of the game Thursday night, I just I, I knew if I opened Twitter, there were going to be a thousand. Well, looks like a normal Miami crowd comments. So yeah, we'll we'll get that out of the way. But no, you're right. It the the they've done a good job. The networks that have broadcast the game so far, making it feel pretty normal. And I think we're we're going to continue to feel that way because now this probably punctures the uh, the bowl industries, you know their whole thing that you have to play it in this town and it's a destination and all that. I mean, there's some bowl games that get, might get moved to high school stadiums after this because yeah. it's just a TV product. And you can, as you can see, as long as you got a hundred yard field, you can put, put out a pretty good TV product. And I think actually some of these bowl games would be better at a high school field. That'd be fun. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> let's go to Traz Powell down in Miami. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've watched a couple good high school games there. So, but that, that's the thing you, you've got to figure that once this gets rolling, and, and look, it's not necessarily out of the woods. We've seen several postponements, cancellations already. Um, TCU SMU was going to get played this weekend. It's not. Uh, Baylor and Louisiana Tech were going to get played. That one's not. Now, that that's a pretty unique situation because the Louisiana Tech team had an outbreak essentially because a bunch of people got chased up to Ruston by the hurricane. A lot of, you know, team members had family staying with them because they had no power and they had no power in Ruston either, but it's, but it's much worse in Lake Charles. So they had an outbreak that I don't think that's a normal situation. I think most of the other ones are a little bit different, but it's going to be like that. There's going to be times when it, it kind of moves and fits and starts, but we saw Miami play tonight. There's, a full ACC schedule coming on Saturday with the exception of NC State and Virginia Tech because they, they moved theirs to the 26th. And then some of the Big 12 teams are playing. So it could feel very normal by this time Saturday night. I, I, I'll be curious to see how everybody feels about that. Now is the time to celebrate because football is back. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of this weekend's action with over $8 million up for grabs across all of their contests. To kick off the season, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at a $1 million top prize with your first deposit when you use code MAYS, M-A-Y-S, during sign-up. Get in on the action now. Draft your lineup now and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with the DraftKings lineup. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at a million-dollar top prize. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about a cold, hard cash. Download the DraftKings app now and use code MAYS, M-A-Y-S, and for a limited time, new users can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize and compete for over $8 million in prizes across all contests. Don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Enter the code MAZE to get a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's code MAZE, M-A-Y-S, like Robert Mays, host of the Athletic Football Show, only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. You mentioned this already, and I want to I want to talk about this because the biggest news of Thursday, Ari, was Ryan Day. You used to cover Ohio State; you covered them for for a long time. Ryan Day comes out with a statement, basically saying the communication from the Big Ten has been substandard. My players keep asking me the same question, and I have no answer for them. They want to know why the ACC is playing now, why the Big Twelve is playing now, why the SEC is going to play. 
why can't they play? What answer should I give them? That's basically what Ryan Day is saying. And uh, it, I mean, it's a, a shot across the bow at, at Big Ten headquarters. But, uh, you know, if I'm Ryan Day, that's doing my job. My job is to represent Ohio State. My job's not to represent the Big Ten. And I feel like he did, he timed it very well because he knew it would hit in that news cycle right before Miami played. And, and people were getting fired up about actual games being played. And he just further enraged that Ohio State fan base and, and all those people that want to see Big Ten football get played, which is the point. He wants his team to be able to play. And there's some other factors involved too. But, but what did you think about that statement? And you know where do you think the Big Ten sits right now? You know what I thought was really interesting? And I didn't really understand this, but it seemed like a lot of people took exception to the statement. And I didn't really understand yeah, why. I don't it's get like, that. The guy, he's Ohio State's coach. His like, job oh, so is he to, wants to win an, represent his players. Yeah, so he wants to win a national championship? Yeah. How dare he? Yeah, I know. Isn't that the point? Like, And I, I think the, the funny thing is, is that you know, other teams want to play. I mean, Jim Harbaugh's out there marching. You know, Penn State wants to play. Um, Iowa, you know, Nebraska. Yeah. yeah. Nebraska's not – you know, going through all the theatrics that they're going through because they're going to win a national title this year. But the fact of the matter is, is that Ohio State is the brand that um, is kind of the the one that's going to would have potentially competed for a national championship and made this season feel whole. Like I, I mean, you lose national championship contenders, that's when things start feeling weird. But like the entire point of this is, there's two things. One, you, you need to show that you're fighting for your team because this is something that you show to recruits. I mean, you, you can't just lie oh, down. He was 100% percent yeah, recruiting yeah. by putting out yeah, that statement. Right. 100%. And the, you know, and the second thing too is that if it seems like it's desperate and Ohio State's fan base is desperate and their players are and their coaches it's because they know they're really good. And like I like always like kind of equate this and maybe it's a little bit different but like I felt really bad for the Dayton basketball team when they canceled Oh the my god, yeah. They, and like they I would have, know that they Ohio- would have had an incredibly high seed. You know that that was a a case where we we never talk about them. That they, they would have been the talk of the first week of the tournament. Yeah, I mean they. What if Dayton? They had a, a, a NBA lottery pick and they could have gone to the Final Four. They may never get to go to the Final Four ever again. Um, and I don't think that this is the perfect example because Ohio State competes for national championships annually, but. To the fact that they're losing out potentially on Justin Fields and the roster that they have right now, and a team that I think might be the favorite to win if things were normal, like there's a certain desperation that comes along with the fact that they don't even get to try. And like I think the hardest part for Ohio State and Ryan Day, and I know this for a fact because he's talked to the Athletic, um, is that just the pain of like the what ifs that come along with this, you know? And that's like obviously something that you're going to say when you you lose. Uh, a chance to compete for a title, but like, you know, generational players like Justin Fields, even at Ohio State, don't come along very often. And the fact that they're not going to get to see him play, uh, and of course, Ryan Day wants to win a national championship, you know, it takes years for for teams to build, even ones that recruit as well as Ohio State to build a national championship team. Um, So absolutely understood, expected it. I don't think this is going to be the last of it. Um, This was a coordinated statement in terms of timing um and I think it made perfect sense and I and I don't understand why anybody would read he said in the statement they want to compete for a national championship of course they do that's why they're playing that's why he gets paid you know what he gets paid and why Ohio State fans show up the way they show up that's the whole point of the sport well exactly and and the thing is if you're Ryan Day in this situation you have to fight for your your players because let's be honest you cover recruiting Ohio State doesn't compete against the rest of the Big Ten in recruiting. They're so far beyond the rest of the Big Ten that it's not even close. They're competing against Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, LSU for players. And all of them are playing. All of them are playing. So they have the easiest pitch in the world. Why would you want to go there? They don't even care about football, and we do. And if you're one of those people who's saying, well, yes, but the Big Ten postponed because they're worried about the health of the athletes. You're right. That's exactly why they did it. It's it's understandable. But if you are a football player, guess what you care about? Football. Especially in a time when the players themselves aren't concerned about their health. 
Like, and I'm not, I know that's not true for everybody. Players are opting out, and it's starting to happen a little bit more, and especially in the conferences that aren't playing. But the vast majority of players and coaches and everybody affiliated with Ohio State football and Big Ten football want to play. And I think that's kind of like, I think the reaction that Kevin Warren was not anticipating when they decided to make this this uh, choice. I think that he was anticipating that people would understand it's a pandemic, it's a highly contagious virus, there's potential long-term health effects, all the reasons why you might want to cancel a season and you might you know, expect people to be appreciative of that. I don't think they expected this uh, tsunami of coaches and players and statements and videos and all the things that have gone online um, and well, and, and, and so here's where here's where they blew it. Here's where Kevin Warren and, and the people advising him just misread the room completely. Kevin Warren is the commissioner. The commissioner serves at the pleasure of the presidents. He was very you know, tied in with the presidents. He was communicating with the presidents. But everybody else was cut off from that communication. And... That's fine if you want to do it that way. They are ultimately the ones who hire and fire you. But if you cut out the most high-profile people in your endeavor and do something that they're not on board with, then you risk a massive public backlash. Who is the most famous person in the Big Ten, Ari? Ryan Day. Or Jim Harbaugh or James Franklin. Or Scott Frost. Notice I have Probably not Jim mentioned Harbaugh a single actually. university president yet. Yeah, yeah. Jim Harbaugh. That was a bad answer. He's way more famous than Ryan Yeah, but Day. Ryan Day represents the best football program in the Big Ten. That's why that, I, there, that's why I did what I did. There's juice in being the most successful. And that's the thing. Ohio State has been so dominant in the Big Ten in football that it has essentially given them license, whether you're Gene Smith or Ryan Day, to say whatever the hell you want. And the league's not going to do squat to you. They can't at this point. But I, I think Kevin Warren severely misjudged how big the public backlash would be when it's being led by people who, by the way, are really good at motivating people to do things. Like, it's yeah, sort of their the, job to do that. The reason why we're here is because college football is the most important thing in a lot of people's lives. And that's... That's a reality. Um, waking up on Saturdays, going to stadiums, tailgating, being a part of that community. Uh, you don't just take something that is as important to people as college football uh, away without expecting some sort of backlash. And I think that like, as the commissioner of the conference, it's almost a shocking thing to even think he might not have anticipated this. And he said that he was shocked by the backlash. And it's just like, this ain't it. If, yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you don't know that this is coming, I mean, I don't know what... You know, this is the most drastic, most sad thing that could happen to the sport. Not playing? What could be worse than that? Well, and, and here's the thing. A lot of people in the Big Ten, not going to cast aspersions, but there are, there are people in the Big Ten who look down on the people in the other leagues. They feel like they are not as smart, not as good of people, that they don't have the right priorities and one would argue that maybe a game is probably not the highest priority even though for a lot of people in our world it is the highest priority because it's either you're living or you're playing it or you're just a diehard fan and I think that's where the disconnect is so Steve Politti the, the excellent reporter is waiting for this yep, waiting for, for this for, yeah. uh, for New Jersey advanced media and, and he is as tapped into Rutgers as you're going to get. He talked to Jonathan Holloway, who's the president of Rutgers. And even though I don't necessarily agree with what he says, I, I applaud Jonathan Holloway for going on the record and talking about this and not being all mush-mouthed about what you did. He voted, voted for postponement. He's not backing down from that. He, he's got his reasons for it, and they are valid. And... He's not saying, I don't know if we took a vote, like some people in the Big Ten have. He's being very upfront about it. And, and so I applaud him for that, even, like I said, if I don't necessarily agree with what he's saying. But this is the type of stuff that makes the rest of the country look at the Big Ten and go, okay, you, you think you're better people? 
enjoy burning from the inside out while you don't play football, and we do. I'm going to come to this a different way, Holloway said. The virus has revealed things that many of us have known to be true for a long time, but now we can't hide from that fact. And when it comes to what is the value proposition of college football across the country, the virus has revealed the truth here about how different conferences are navigating that space, and I'm very happy to be in the Big Ten. Well, you know who's not very happy to be in the, be in the Big Ten right now? Ohio State. The Ohio State University. Michigan football fans. Michigan's president is pretty happy with it, but I bet Michigan football fans are. Nebraska football fans. Iowa football fans. And, by the way, the administrations at those schools. You didn't get them on board before you made this decision. They had to be kind of okay with this before you decided to postpone the whole season. And they weren't okay with it at all. And that's where you screwed up. And now you are paying the price. The most important quote from um, Politi's reporting that I thought from Holloway was, if I'm wrong because I was erring on the side of safety, I don't have a problem with that. I don't think I'm wrong, though. I just don't think it. And if I had to put my money down, we're going to see some radical changes within a month, not no later than October. I'm really worried about where we're heading towards and just on campuses in general, not just sports. It's deeply concerning. And I think that that is the number one motivation for what's going to happen right now because I think that as we're watching college football and as we're enjoying the sport and you're going to Hattiesburg and there's fans in the stands and all the things that are starting to feel normal again, it's been kind of easy to to forget about how we got into this mess to begin with. And even I have to a certain extent. But the biggest thing is that that is a very understandable, reasonable take. The problem is is that there is no explanation as to why that is true for Rutgers and teams in the Big Ten, but why it's not true for the other conferences that are playing. And well, Big Ten he, fans that's, are, that goes to the next the, the quote that I read, where he's saying they are prioritizing football over human life. Right, right. And I would argue, as someone who lives down in the place where they're doing this, they're just trying to get back to normal life. That's why they're playing football. It's a, it's a different mindset. The mindset in this part of the country, and I'm in the South, is yes, the virus is serious. Yes, wear your mask. Not everybody wants to wear a mask. But there are also teams in the North that have that SEC mentality, and I used to live in the city that... Columbus, uh, <laughs> Ohio is very much like <laughs> that. that. You're absolutely right. And, yeah. and Iowa City, Iowa is like that too, and, and Lincoln, Nebraska is like that. But their their attitude is, we're going to play because playing doesn't make it any more dangerous than not playing. And that's the thing. Have a higher percentage of football players gotten COVID-19 than regular students? That's the, the 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 hardest part about this, Andy, is that, the, and I think that kind of rubbed me the wrong way about his comments. And I too um, agree that it was cool that he came out and talked. But when he said, uh, "If I'm wrong, and then I don't think I'm wrong," it's almost like we're turning this into a right or wrong situation. Well, but and it's but like it, it is, Ari. Whether it should be or not is another question. It, it probably I know, but like be. you're dealing with a, a freaking virus here. Yeah, and truth of the matter is, though, is if he's right, then that means a bunch of people got sick. And then if he's wrong, then the best thing about the Big Ten didn't happen. And it's just like, in order for the person who's talking to be right, people have to become right. sick. Yeah, you don't and want it's just it like to a, be a, something. And I don't think he meant it in a way that, that he'd be celebrating if he was correct. Right. But here's the thing, and this is what should scare. Now, it shouldn't scare him because it's Rutgers and... Nobody cares if Rutgers plays football or not, but except Rutgers players, obviously. But if the ACC and the Big 12 and the SEC play out their versions of seasons, 10 or 11 game seasons, and they happen, and there isn't a disaster, like what he's talking about in October doesn't happen. Because mm-hmm. I would argue that there's some things coming down the pipe that – would make it possible to get this season played. You know, you, you've got the testing where before it was very complicated. You didn't know how long it was going to take to get back. If, if we're to believe the press releases from these, these companies that have just gotten FDA approval, 
by October, we're going to be flooded with these rapid response tests that cost $5 a piece. And all of a sudden, it's going to be much easier to test and, and hopefully much easier to manage and not just for college football, but for all of us. And so there's a lot of risk that they're taking here. There's a, there's a big risk that these Big Ten presidents who voted to postpone have taken because they're going to be the ones who have to answer for it if the Big Ten doesn't play until Thanksgiving or January and everybody else got their season in. The two biggest problems are, one, Big Ten fans are watching other games and they just feel like this is impossible. If it's not safe to play, then it's not safe for anybody. And then, you know, the second thing um, is just like the entire idea that they're not going to get to compete at the highest level. So, like, it's just like a really tough situation. Um, it's just like really tough. I, I don't know. Like, it, you know, you kind of – this is the whole reason why – the idea to cancel or postpone rather than delay hasn't made sense because as you're talking and as we are um, moving down uh, toward the month of October and November, things are happening in the realm of testing. We're getting more nuanced in understanding how to, to cope with these things and how to deal with outbreaks. I mean, Notre Dame had a major outbreak two weeks ago and like they're good now, right? Yeah, they're playing like, Duke on Saturday. Yeah, and the and the other thing too that the fans are upset about not only watching other other teams play, but the other thing is that they are also watching the coaches and the players want to play. Like when everybody who's involved in the risk of getting sick doesn't want to sit out as a result of it, it's a lot harder to accept because they're viewing it as sacrificing something that's not personally affecting you. Like presidents are sacrificing football, but they're not the ones that are losing it. And the biggest self-sacrifice that or a person can make is to do it yourself. And the people who are forced to sacrifice the thing that they've worked for and want to do are the ones that want to play. So, like, I think that everything is rational if we all did it on the same uniform schedule. But at the same time, it's completely irrational if everybody is different and the people who want to play still want to play. Yeah, and, and that is the issue. And, and it's going to be like this until they come up with a plan. And I think that's that's probably the thing that I find the most stunning about all of this. I, I, I do think if they'd made that decision on August 20th or August 25th instead of August 11th, that they maybe make a different decision. But the fact that they made the decision on August 11th, that they'd known a decision like that was going to come for months and months and months, that they didn't have a plan. Right. They didn't have any plan or any contingencies because it didn't have to be one plan because, again, it's a virus. It's new. Everybody's dealing with it, for, with, the first, with it for the first time. But that you didn't have, okay, here are three ways we may be able to get this season in. We might be able to start here. We might be able to start here. We might be able to start here. Here are the potential schedules. Here's how we might do it. None of that existed. It appears that none of that exists now. Now, I'm sure behind the scenes they are talking about all that stuff, but they're not passing that information along either to the coaches or to the general public. And I know that the, the, the coaches want to play as soon as possible because they want to try to get into sync if you could. Because let's say if you started in mid-October and you played an eight-game conference season, your season would end roughly about the same time as the other league seasons. And maybe you could be part of the playoff. But guess what? The SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12, not particularly interested in what yeah, the Big 10 wants. I found that out the hard way, didn't I? Because they didn't. <laughs> they weren't interested in, in staying together. They weren't interested in working together to find a common solution. So they wanted to do their own thing. They did. Now they get to reap the, the, the consequences of that. But... I, I don't know about you, Ari. My feeling is they've got to play. they got to start playing before the other people's seasons end. I don't think they can get synced up. I think it, I think that ship has sailed. Do you? Yeah. Do you think if they if they played? Let me ask you this, Andy, as a former player or a former human tackling dummy. There we go. Accurate. But I saw I saw Jim Harbaugh say over the weekend, we could be ready to play in two weeks. Is that possible, or is that just it's somebody possible? Just It'd something? be ugly. You wouldn't want to see I it. Mean, I, I, 
I mean, I guess they're still practicing, and some teams in the Big Ten are still practicing, and some teams like Wisconsin are practicing at all for two more weeks. They're not really so like, practicing, though, and it, that's the thing. What you might no, see but is, like you is, add two weeks to add yeah. contact, is what so that they're able like, to play. If you started now, you're not getting into pads for about four or five days. So you only have a week of practice in pads. You might have three three workouts in pads before you play a game in two weeks. I think I, I well. I've actually talked to somebody in the Big Ten about this, and their feeling is six weeks, ideally, to yeah, be ready right. to play a game. When I read two weeks, I was four like, what is happening here? Four weeks in a here? pinch, though. Four we- you, you do it in four weeks in a pinch, and I, I'm with that. I, I think if you had four weeks of prep time, and especially because you're playing a conference-only season and just about everybody's in the same boat, like you're not going to yeah. have a Navy-BYU situation because that's what you're well, really the- trying to avoid. Well, here's the other curveball, because I do think that like there is a way – that they could sync up if they could somehow figure out a way to squeeze a game or two in in October. But could the playoff committee in a pick of a, a field of four teams if some of the teams that they're picking from only played seven or eight games? Yeah, I think they and could other teams because you're saying ten. it's a weird season. There's a, there's a pandemic on. It's strange. So, Or you could do playoff reform, which is always fun to talk about, and just take – the conference champions and one at large from one of the uh, group of five conferences and how each conference determines their champion is different. So if the Big Ten and Pac-12 want to play by by Halloween and they can get seven or eight games in and crown a champion somehow, then even though they haven't played the full schedule that the other conferences have played, I think it would be very reasonable in a weird embrace the weird year to take teams that haven't played as many games, as long as everybody is uh, on board with the fact that a conference champion is going to make I'm it. I'm just not sure they can do that because, okay, you've got to flip six votes before you can even get back to practice. So you've got to, like, we, we've just been quoting, thanks to Steve Politti, one of the, one of the votes you have to flip. Does that yeah. guy sound like he's going to be easily flipped? No. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I... I I just like when like there's reports out there right now that the Big Ten is going to vote on something by the end of early next what, week. Little Yachty, and is that a Little Yachty report? He was uh, Little Yachty is the report. No, that's uh, um, I, I, everybody. I, I'm kidding. Yeah, no. I mean, I went. I opened up Twitter to go look, and t- I can't. But like, um, even Bill Landis and Nicole Auerbeck have a story about like the potential of like the pressure mounting on the Big Ten and how it could change things. I do think that we, as we sit here on September 10th, if they move swiftly, I think it's reasonable to expect that teams could play by the 24th of October or even Halloween. And if they do that, not to mention that there's games being postponed and other things happening in other conferences, there's no guarantee that they're going to play their full schedules either. You know, I think that there's a way that you could try to get. It. I just like what you said makes no sense to me, and in in not your idea, but just the idea of. Some teams have already into week three or four, and like Ohio State might play Rutgers or uh, another Big Ten conference the week of the SEC championship game in week six makes no sense. Okay, so me. you could play. You could play seven, and then play your conference championship game the nineteenth, which other leagues have their game scheduled on the nineteenth. If you start yeah. Halloween, you could play seven. So, I think that would work. I think to avoid mass opt outs, you have to start by sometime in November. Yeah, well, I don't know the point of playing in November. Like, what's the point? Are you going to tell me that these – like, like if Because at least other to... people are still playing football and, and people might want to play. That would if suck. If you wait till January, I think you're going to lose most of your players. I think most of your players are going to go, no, thank you. I will wait till the real season in September. And and then, you, then you've got a bigger problem. So do you think, like, like since we were talking about Ohio State earlier, do you think, like, Ohio State fans would rather see a 7-0 and Ohio State team that's not participating in the playoff or the watered-down version of the young players playing in the spring? Oh, they want they want to see the 7-0 and team not playing in the playoff. I think that would be torture for them. But the 7-0 and team might have a chance. I mean, like you said, if you could get that going, if you could tell the other leagues, we will be done when you're done. You don't have to move anything for us. That's that's your sh- that if you're the Big Ten, that is your shot to to. to but that can't happen in November. If that happens in November, then how do you do that? Like I think I think Halloween is the very last day. Oh, that I, you I, I agree with you. It, it's yeah. it's got to be Halloween. 
Like, if they start in Thanksgiving, I've got no and idea. And that leaves you no flexibility. Is. I mean, you are just playing straight through. And Yeah, and if you and if you start on Thanksgiving, it also makes the original decision to postpone look dumb. The, like, I don't Ari, know what you're accomplishing. The decision there. to postpone is going to look dumb. No, I know, um, but it's going to look completely The only way dumb. the decision to postpone does not look dumb is if the decision for the other leagues to play looks dumb. Right. No, yeah, I understand. This is a zero-sum game, unfortunately, for, for both these groups. I just, like, there's no possible chance that you could rationalize uh, that behavior and that decision if you play in November. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not attractive. There are no attractive options for the Big Ten yeah. right now. It is It has made its bed in a very bad way, and there's nothing... There's nothing that Ryan Day and James Franklin and company can do about that right now except keep the pressure on and hope it works. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Friday was a big day at the Staples house. Why? Because my new case of chicken ribs showed up. That's right. Chicken ribs. It is chicken. It tastes like ribs. Authentic smokehouse barbecue. They did all the work. They smoked it low and slow, especially chicken thigh with one bone left through it that you can eat like a rib. It's smothered in pork rub. It tastes like pork ribs, but 75% less fat and fewer calories. These things are great. I eat them all the time, which is why I'm so excited they got another case of them. And oh, by the way, I'll take you behind the curtain. Just because they're a sponsor doesn't mean they're sending me this stuff for free. This stuff is so good that I'm just buying it and I'm using my promo code Andy to get $10 off my order because I love it. My son, who never eats anything, loves chicken ribs, and it's just a fantastic, great meal that I can get and have ready in seven minutes. Here's how I do it. Take my chicken ribs. I put them in the air fryer for five minutes. Then I coat them with ever so slightly a layer of sauce, just a little thin layer. Put them back in the air fryer for two minutes. You get that nice candy glaze on them. They are delicious. Great barbecue takes time, but chicken ribs makes it easy. Fully cooked from the smokehouse, chicken ribs are authentic barbecue ready in just minutes. Go to www.chickenribs.com and use the code Andy today to get $10 off plus free two-day shipping. I just did it. Trust me, it works. Who doesn't love perfectly smoked meat for the big game, whether at home or the tailgate or just for dinner? That's www.chickenribs.com and use the code Andy for $10 off plus free two-day shipping. We'll be right back to the show, but first we've got to talk about Home Field Apparel. That is the most comfortable shirt you ever wore with the coolest old-school logo from your favorite school. Indiana fan, Mississippi State fan, Purdue fan, Colorado School of Mine fans. They got you covered. And right now, if you're a Syracuse fan, get yourself to homefieldapparel.com. So much auto the orange merchandise. It's brand new. It's so cool. The best logos, not the corporate stuff you can get now that's boring and approved by a bunch of focus groups. No, this is the good stuff that came out in the 40s and the 50s and the 70s and the 80s. We skipped the 60s. I don't know why, but no. They, these are logos from throughout the history of your school and they are so much cooler than anything else you can get now. And Homefield Apparel puts it on the most comfortable t-shirts and sweatshirts that you will ever find in your life. So show some school spirit for your favorite team or for your alma mater. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use code Andy for 20% off your first purchase. College football is back, baby. That's homefieldapparel.com and use code Andy for 20% off your first purchase. Speaking of James Franklin, before we finish this podcast, I've talked to you about a story of yours that got quite a bit of attention this week. I didn't know we were going to have time for this, Andy. I, let me, I'm uh, making time for it, Ari. Let me prepare for myself. I am making time for it. So you wrote a story about James Franklin and how he's got he's to not lose the, the five-star recruits in his own backyard. He can't, he can't be losing them to, to Ohio State or to, in this case, Wisconsin. Uh, Nolan Rucci from, from nearby, is it Lidditz, Pennsylvania? Am I pronouncing Lidditz, it? Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So he is going to Wisconsin. Now, 
this is interesting because you, you, you start the story with a, a scene uh, about James Franklin recruiting Andrew Jelks. And Andrew Jelks, for those who don't know, is a, a guy from Paris, Tennessee. And this is when, when James Franklin was the head coach at Vanderbilt. So Andrew Jelks had the most all-vol basement of anybody who's ever lived. The family is all Tennessee. It's that, that Tennessee orange everywhere in the house. The basement is a shrine to the University of Tennessee. And Franklin descended into that basement, and, and he got a commitment from Andrew Jelks. And that's the type of thing you're saying, where's that James Franklin? That's the James Franklin that, that Penn State needs right now to, uh, to compete with Ohio State for Big Ten titles. And I, I'm with you in one way, and I'll tell you what that is, Ari. So where I'm with you is I go back to what James Franklin said after they lost to Ohio State in State College. The last time they played in State College. the whole thing. Yeah. Dwayne Haskins sort of found himself in the second half and and they had the you know the fourth down play gets gets stuffed and so James Franklin had a speech after that game and it was about how you you move into the elite and the things that have to be done to move into the elite. Well, one of the things you have to do is recruit like an elite school recruits. And Ohio State is the elite school in the Big 10. So when you have five-star offensive lineman in your backyard, you got to be able to get them. Now, there is a, a couple of factors that in this particular case make it a little, little more layered and nuanced. Uh, who's, who's Hayden Rucci? His brother. Where does he play? Wisconsin. Where would Nolan Rucci go? Wisconsin. Well, Nolan Rucci's an offensive lineman, right? Yeah. What has Wisconsin put a lot of into the NFL? Offensive linemen. Okay. So this one, I don't know if this is as big of a, an example. And so. Well, you got to let me retort here. Okay, so retort. It's about to explode. Before we get to Andrew Jelks. Uh, yeah, which completely, you're reporting from uh, whatever year that was for SI really helped me out here. So I pre- let me formally thank but you. I, I, I wish I'd have known what you were going to do with this because I would have told you one other key fact that I'm going to tell you after you okay. give me your retort and you're going to you're gonna go. Ugh. Is it going to be what happened to Andrew Jelks in his career? No. No, he actually okay, had a Okay, okay. I'm excited to hear what you have to say. But the one thing that I will say is that you can make individual cases – and, un- and and rationalize individual reasons why somebody will do what they did. For instance, everything that you just said about Rucci and his brother um, makes sense. You know, why would somebody go leave their hometown to go play at Wisconsin because their brother plays there? And it happens to be a program that has had a long history of developing offensive linemen. Absolutely. Makes sense. This one time, stuff happens in recruiting, whatever. But when it is a pattern and every single time this happens, you have a speech or a story like that, at a certain point, it's got to stop being a coincidence. And right now, you know, Penn State just isn't doing what it needs to do uh, in the realm of those five-star recruitments. And when you have a coach who is banging his head, his, his fist against the podium, and I was at that game, talking about going from elite, from great to elite, then we're going to hold them to that standard. That's the standard. And the only way that they're ever going to be elite is to recruit the players that are near them that are five-star prospects. But instead, this happened. Last year, the number one receiver in the country was two hours away, and he committed to Ohio State. And not only committed to Ohio State, but went to the Ohio State-Penn State game in Ohio Stadium and wore a shirt that says Ohio against the world. It's literally the worst thing that could it is possibly happen. a nice happen. shirt, though. I always like those It's a shirts. great I think shirt. LeBron, those homage LeBron shirts wore are... that to the, uh, to the national title game when they beat Oregon. I know, but it almost was like a message to just, like, his home state. And it's just like, if you want to look at it, Ohio State's got 12 commitments who rank in the hot top 120 uh, players in the country. Um, so that's, like, almost 10% of the entire top 120 players going to one school. And I think Penn State has one. And, like, the gap between those two schools are huge. So when you have a player, and the one thing we didn't mention about Ruchi is both of his parents went to Penn State. (laughs) Were athletes at Penn State. Dad was a football player. Season ticket holders to Penn State. So the Wisconsin stuff is true, but, like, you got to close that kid. And if you don't think that it's a big deal, then what is going to be the big deal? 
because at a certain point, Penn State needs to be held accountable for what they are or what they're going to be. So if you don't think this is a big deal, then Penn State is the second or third best team in the Big Ten. They've reached their ceiling, and they are what they are. If you're a Penn State fan and you want them to beat Ohio State, which they have done, and I believe is possible to do again, then in order for them to do that, they need to get this kid. There's no other... There's no other way of looking at it. So you can accept what you are or you can demand more and expect that your your team is going to pick up the five-star prospect that's two hours away when their parents have season tickets. And if you can't do it, then you're not going to win. So it's simple. Penn State fans were very mad at you about this, but I will tell you one person in State College who I think will agree with you. I think James Franklin would agree with you. I, I hope he would because if he wouldn't agree with me, then he's not fit for what he said he wants to do. No, I, because I think part he of would being agree with great, you completely. And, and yeah. he knows that that's how you take that next step. That's It doesn't happen if you don't get those kinds of players. Now, back to Andrew Jelks, though, because I want I, I do want to talk to you about the Andrew Jelks example. He did have the Tennessee basement. You know what he didn't have? What? A Tennessee offer. You know why? Yeah, but it's his, his recruiting – his recruiting profile reports that he had one. I don't think it did. And, unless Maybe he I'm got wrong. one late. He might have gotten a late one, one of those those bad ones at the end. Or uh, I Apparently, I think there was a staffer. And you were in – didn't you go into that house? I didn't go – no. I was I was in – Oh. I was at Vandy's – I talked to a oh, lot of people. Oh, you went to Vandy's thing. I talked yeah. to the play, you know, a lot of the recruits. I talked to I, a lot of the, the coaches about how that all came together. But, no, and, and it's interesting because – I just want to run this by you because I'm, I'm probably mentioned this to you before, but I want to watch your head actually explode as I tell you what happened in Tennessee's class that year. So that was Derek Dooley's last recruiting class. Andrew Jelks was an offensive lineman. He wound up starting, I think, 24 games at Vanderbilt. He played a couple years in the NFL until injuries. So he's a guy who would have really helped those Tennessee teams had he been right there. Do you know how many offensive linemen Derek Dooley signed in the 2012 class? I don't want to know the answer to this. I'm already nervous. Zero. Is zero? How is that even possible? Zero. It is maybe the biggest case of recruiting malpractice in college football history. Has any other recruiting class in the history of recruiting not had a single offensive lineman in the entire class ever? <laughs> I've never seen I one. don't even know I'm how sure. that, How could you? Maybe. How did he fill out the roster? I don't even know how you, how you could do that. <laughs> now they had they had some decent players, and you know they they taken offensive linemen in the previous years, but yeah, zero. And I it's f- I don't know that there were maybe maybe there was a defensive lineman that they had intended to move, but I don't recall any of those defensive linemen in that class. But even over. one is bad, Andy. Oh, I know. It, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. I mean, I think you're supposed to take four or five a year. But that is you are, and but that is the thing when I look at when I when I read the story, I was thinking about that. Wait. Which year was Jelks? Oh, that was that year. Because yeah, I, no offensive lineman. None. Not a single one in the class. I hope that you... Uh, so my editor uh, at The Athletic, Mitch Light, lives in Nashville and was the sideline reporter for Vanderbilt. So he helped open my eyes to Jelks. And then when I started uh, Googling him, your beautiful SI story came up. And the the one about James about Franklin it. having twin... Uh, uh, cell phone holsters on his underwear at home because he couldn't miss a call. His wife told me yeah. about that one. He did not volunteer that information. You know, the one thing that stinks is that the SI archives cut off large portions of stories, so you can't read the whole thing. And I don't know what the point of that is, but, like, that was a good story. Yeah, I and lost like, I the don't whole know setup that- to the underwear thing. I was not pleased with yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And, like... Those are good uh, stories to go back and like relive, and I don't think a lot of people are writing stories about recruiting the way you were back then. You were kind of a visionary. I'm trying to follow in your you're footsteps. Try, you're right trying now. to butter me up after I bad copped you on this this Penn State recruiting. Well, story. no, no, no. I mean, I think that like honestly, the idea uh, there's 170 comments and 85 of them are from angry Penn State fans, and I can't tell if they're just mad because of what happened, or if they actually think that what I said was irrational. I, it's because it's I, sort I, of like it, it's. It's not that nothing about what you said is irrational. Everything you said is completely rational. It's we're we're fairly tribal creatures. And so we get mad when when somebody says something bad, especially somebody from the outside says something bad about our thing. But I would even bet, though they say the same thing personally and privately. Well, that's because they probably agree they with are it. probably the I, more harsh than you 
to eat to right. fellow Penn State fans. Yeah, because like I wrote this graph, and I'm gonna try to go find it, but it wasn't just a rant that James Franklin went on. It was a speech, you know. After it was that a Ohio mission State statement that was filled with belief. Penn State was so close to Ohio State, two points in two years, and all it would have taken was a few more players to maybe win a few of those games. How many more five-star Pennsylvanians would have Penn State needed? How many more five-star prospects from Penn State's backyard could it have taken? How many more Micah Parsons did Penn State need to actually get over that hump? And guess what, man? Micah Parsons was their best player. He was from Harrisburg. And guess what? Nolan Rucci would have been their best player because that's how it works. When you get top... 15 overall players in the country more often than not their program altering players that kid's going to wisconsin he should be going to penn state you want to beat ohio state you don't want joey bosa to knock uh you're a left tackle into your quarterback in a game tying situation then have a five-star left tackle there like and that's kind of just the whole thing and you know if you lose games uh to ohio state and you're close then losing this makes it even worse because Penn State has been Ohio State's biggest competition in the Big Ten. They've played them tough every year. Even last year's team, even though the game wasn't as close as the score, like Penn State was the the best team on their schedule. And I personally like think that I have do I have too much faith in Michigan? Do I have too much faith in Penn State to think that they possibly could win the Big Did Ten? Did you just ask like, me if you have faith in Michigan if you have too much faith yes. in Michigan? Did you because of with Michigan. a straight like Ari's on Zoom, so I can see his face here. He said that with a straight face. Because I'm holding them to a high standard because I believe that the standard and the ceiling hasn't been met. If I didn't think that their ceiling... You know who I don't ever write negative things about? Illinois, because they've... Who cares? If we want to put Michigan into the, the category of fourth best team in the Big Ten or third best or even second best and leave them there, then I won't stop holding them to the standard of what it takes to be first. But if you believe that they're going to be first or could be first, then you have to hold them to the standard of what it takes to get there. And, and Penn State has done something that Michigan hasn't. They've beaten Ohio State and they've won the Big Ten. And they've done it with a lot less good players now imagine if James Franklin when he's blessed with somebody who lives two hours away of being a top 15 player closed on those guys what would happen imagine if he closed on Justin Fields he's not even a Pennsylvania kid but imagine if he they had him committed Um, yes imagine if they had Julian Fleming on their roster now imagine if they had Rucci these teams would be far more scary nationally and would accomplish the things that that 110,000 wonderful atmosphere of a stadium has the whiteout is the best atmosphere in college football that I've seen and I haven't covered the SEC, say, and I haven't lived in Gainesville game like you. Yet, so. Yeah, no, <laughs> I want to go to. But I'm just saying, if we want to hold them to a higher standard, then we have to discuss things in an uncomfortable way when they don't go well. And not everything's always great. I think James Franklin's a great coach. I think he's done really well at Penn State. I think he could do better. And I think I think James Franklin could do better. So if you're a Penn State fan and you're offended by what I wrote, then you need to check yourself, man, because I'd stand by that till the end of time. I, I do. I do think James Franklin would agree with you. Before we go, Ari, we got to talk about some more actual games that are actually happening. Okay. What, what are you excited to see this weekend? For me, I am going to Tallahassee. I'm going to see Florida State and Georgia Tech. This is a game I obviously expect Florida State to win. Would have expected Florida State to win no matter what had happened this offseason. But I am very curious to see, do they look different under Mike Norvell? Do they look more organized? Is the offense more functional? Is the offensive line more functional? Because my suspicion is if they can get that offense even to average or maybe a little bit above average, their defense is going to be good. Their defense has been good. We just haven't noticed it because we've been watching the all that bad stuff on offense. But – I have a feeling they could be a pretty good team in the ACC if they can get that offense just even slightly above average. So I am very curious to see what they look like. And I think more than anything, can they get lined up? You know, do do they not have a bunch of penalties? I was at the first Willie Taggart coach game against Virginia Tech, and you could tell this is going to be horrific. This is going to be awful, and it's not going to get much better. I don't know what I'm going to see on Saturday, but – if it's the opposite of that, I think people should get pretty excited about Florida State. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Is this the year of the ACC being the most entertaining conference to watch? I know the SEC it is very king, well could but like be. ACC, like because my pick was going to be the North Carolina game. I'm very excited to see, you know, they're a top 20 team uh, coming into the year. A lot of hype. I got macked. Um, did get macked completely macked. I, they're playing Syracuse. I don't think they're, but they're 24 point favorites. Like I want to see what the 
what the uh, arrived version of North Carolina looks like. And like the other big games, I guess, uh, you know, the one thing that I will say is I'm pretty bummed that the SMU TCU game got postponed. That, that would have been, been, been my pick. That would have been my pick. Um, but the other, like, um, Oklahoma's playing Missouri State, Clemson, Wake Forest. Those are yawners. So I, I think that Notre Dame Duke is the other one. And that's why I was asking, like, if um, the ACC is the is it that conference this year that everything's just going to be awesome? I don't know. I mean, Chase Bryce, starting quarterback for Duke. You know, we, we last saw him as the backup at Clemson and, and in the 2018 season he had to come in against Syracuse when Trevor Lawrence got hurt and saved them. I mean, he saved a national title. Now we get to see what he can be as a starter. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I'm also intrigued by Notre Dame as a conference team. I mean, it's still – I saw Ian Book post the picture of the jersey with the ACC patch on it and it's – Still doesn't get real. <laughs> yeah, I just want to see Notre Dame play in the ACC championship. Like, what does Notre Dame do with that? Like, do, like if they win the ACC, do they hang like a ACC uh, banner? Do they like put a, a thing in the stadium? Like, what do you do with that if you're not in the conference that you win? Pete, Pete Sampson has some theories on this. Like, do you just leave it on the f- if you win the ACC? Do you just leave it on the field? Like. UCF left the civil conflict trophy on the field when they beat UConn in Bob Diaco's last season. You know, yeah. do you do you do that? Um, you know, Mike Bray, Notre Dame's basketball coach, he's won an ACC tournament. And he joked that he was going to take the trophy and bolt it to the hood of his car because that's what Lefty Drizel always said, you know, when he coached Maryland, <laughs> that it, when he won the ACC, he's going to bolt the trophy to the hood of his car and drive through Chapel Hill and Durham and, and Winston-Salem. And so you could do that. I mean, do you... Pete Sampson, our Notre Dame beat right? his best idea for this was basically you lock it up like the Ark of the Covenant in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Like you just lock I, it up and bury it. I would bury it on campus or maybe beneath the field with Jimmy Hoffa. Like, I don't know. Like, just like put it underneath the field. Um, I don't understand how I, I I don't know understand how I can communicate to you how excited I would be to watch Notre Dame Clemson in the ACC championship game. Well, it'll be the second time you get to see him play this year, so you're you'll get a preview <laughs> guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think I don't know. Are we buying the North Carolina hype? Are, are you buying it with me? Or I think offensively they're going to be very good. I want to see what they are defensively. We we do need to to bear in mind this was a seven and six team last year. Yeah. And it's hard that the jump from seven and six to ten and three, well, whatever the the, the this season equivalent of the 10 mathematical and three would be, equivalent is, yeah, yeah. is 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 pretty hard. It's it's not easy, and especially it's not easy if Florida State is better, if Miami's better, if Louisville's better. This is uh, the ACC was really down the last couple of years. It's not going to be like it was in 2016 where it was really, really good. But I think it's going to be headed back in that direction. I think the trajectory of the non-Clemson ACC is is headed back toward Clemson, which is good for the ACC and for Clemson ultimately because they do have some resistance a little bit, you know, a little on their way to the playoff. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to debate, like, if the ACC is ever back. And now they have got Clemson, but if Florida State gets back and Louisville gets back and North Carolina's up, and um, what if Virginia Tech's good? I mean, Virginia Tech was remarkably consistent for a long time, but they haven't been that good lately. Yeah. Well, they've also been signing like the worst recruiting classes I've ever seen in my life. So there's a Beamer classes were never that great either, by the way. No. Oh, I mean, they were like in the better than these or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what's going on up there, but like the Virginia Tech brand, at least in in that area. Don't get me going on another rant about keeping kids home. I can't do it again. It's eleven twenty two p.m. <laughs> it's twelve twenty two where I am, Ari. So yeah, but you know what? That means that we recorded a podcast after a college football game. A Power Five team played a college football game. The two thousand twenty season has passed another mile marker. This thing's happening. Yeah, I know. I think that we'd all prefer, obviously, <laughs> that this happens uh, as opposed to not. I'm super excited to see how this all shapes out. I'm, I'm hoping that you know this this season can get by without very many outbreaks and not a lot of delays. And 
you know, the fact that you're able to see a Power 5 team play, um, I thought felt great. And I'm, I'm happy that we got this opportunity, and I'm super excited to do it again next Thursday. We got games on Saturday, though. So let's let's get ready. Everybody read The Athletic. If you're not already subscribing to The Athletic, new subscribers, $1 per month for your first year. Get on this train. It is, it is going. It's a hell of a deal. Ari, thank you so much. And we will talk to you after the games on Saturday. Thank you.